You are listening to the Some Good Content Podcast, a swipe file of proven content plays shared by some of the most successful content marketers out there doing the work. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Some Good Content Podcast. Today, my guest is Lindsay McGuire. She is the content marketing manager, and let me make sure I get this right, the Ripple Effect podcast producer at Formstack. I got it, right? Yeah, I got it great. <laughs> so Lindsay, I think we met in a LinkedIn comment several weeks ago. Somebody was like, you need to have Lindsay on. And I think it was somebody from Formstack. I was like, right, well, point me to the right person. Who is it? Who am I having on from Formstack? And so like, I've had a lot of old friends on this podcast, some new ones. So it's great to meet like a quote unquote new friend. And so we met in the comment section of a LinkedIn post probably like a month ago. So I'm excited to have Lindsay here from Formstack and hear all about the content uh, strategy there. So Lindsay, welcome. Glad to have you on. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Tell us about Formstack for for the people listening who maybe haven't heard of the company and aren't sure what, what, what they do. Yeah, Formstack is a 15-year-old software company that focuses on digitizing manual and paper processes. So essentially, you can use the Formstack product or platform to do online forms, document generation, electronic signatures. We also have a native Salesforce platform that allows for all those systems to live natively in Salesforce. Uh, so really, our focus is just helping businesses do better work every day and being able to have more time to focus on the strategic goals that they're trying to work towards, their mission, their vision, uh, their customers, and just taking away the things that really drive you crazy every in, in and out of every day. Uh, and I think on average, our customers save about 10 to 15 hours a week using our products. And that's really our goal is just to free up your employees with a no-code drag-and-drop software. You could tell you've been at the company for a few years. Like, you got it. You got it down, right? <laughs> um so can we talk about for a sec, 15 years like that is like I'm doing the, the math in my head. I'm like 2006, like yep. <laughs> that was before Twitter. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like that so, is rarefied. Like there aren't many SaaS companies that can say they're that old. Like that is like in the best way possible. Like that's uh that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, our founder a day really had a vision. I mean, all every SaaS company should be founded out of a frustration, right? And so Ade was in web development and was just frustrated that he had to spend hours to code right. to make a simple like lead gen form. Like that's crazy, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so obviously in like 2006, this was a revolutionary idea to have a drag and drop form builder that you could just use on your website and not have to have a dev person or a coder or any kind of technical ability to, right. you know, get signups on your website or have someone fill out a form. Uh, and it's really crazy just to see how far we've come from being just, you know, a form provider to a whole workplace productivity solution. That is impressive and something people take for granted now, right? Like the ease in which you can do these things. So that, yes. I mean, that's impressive that A, they were solving the problem that early and B, like you said, the platform it's grown into now. So like I said, Lindsay's coming on today to share the top three content plays that have been most effective over the last six to 12 months at Formstack. So we could all learn from them. But first I want to, I, I usually touch on like what, what are like, I, I'm, people love talking about distribution, content channels and things like that. So I want to start there first. What is your team's most impactful content channel slash medium right now blogs podcasts videos that kind of thing 
Yeah. So we, you know, it's hard because we have a very large focus on, you know, atomization. So using one large piece of content to funnel into other pieces of content and other distribution channels. Um, we definitely do a lot of eBooks and guides and just long form digital content because we feel like that provides the most value to people. And when you do the heavy lifting up at the front of a quarter, you can then trickle that down through everything else through the rest of your quarter. So it just makes your planning much easier and makes your editorial calendar easier. Everything can follow kind of a concise message, a consistent message that makes sense across everything. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we might change the strategy as kind of the new privacy updates, you know, unravel and unroll through Apple and Google and mm. all the things. Um, because, you know, email is going to take a hard hit as we're, you know, making you know, personal privacy more important. You know, the marketers are going to stuff or we're all talking about it. Um, but one thing we have done is a lot of our guides and ebooks and things like that are actually ungated at the front and we'll actually have all the content available to people without a gate and then there's some kind of relevant CTA for that lead gen at the end or through a drift chat throughout the ebook. Right. So are the ebooks and guides like those are like the uh, the pieces of content that you're then using to break up into different like that, it's really interesting because uh, the, a lot of people in the group often talk about that. Like, what are the best ways to do that? Like, how do you do it? So, like, I'm curious, like, what does the planning look like for that? So, are you planning on a quarterly basis? Is it annual basis? Um, and, like, how does that look like? So, you're planning basically a handful of big pieces and then it kind of trickles down into all these. Like, what does that planning process look like? Yeah, so it has definitely shifted and evolved over the three years I've been at Formstack. But for about the last year, we have followed kind of a yearly campaign theme. So this year, our theme is Practically Genius. And it's really highlighting the ways our customers are being practically genius through our products and our software. Um, but then also providing ways for people to learn how to be practically mm. genius in their workday, whether that's through productivity tips, whether that's through use case examples of our products, whether that's through bringing on people onto the podcast that have just really inspiring, just out of the box stories of how they've done something differently and it's made really big changes in their work or in their life. Um, but we start out with kind of a year long campaign theme or idea. And then yes, we do follow quarterly cadences. We'll usually release one big piece each quarter and it doesn't necessarily have to be an ebook or guide. Uh, you know, it could be an event or it could be a webinar or it could be something like that. Um, but we'll always start kind of with one big, large milestone piece. And then from there, figure out, well, which pieces can we pull into infographics? What can we mm. reutilize in a blog post? What topics can we pull out, maybe kind of, you know, expand in a single standalone, you know, checklist or guide or blog post, more in-depth blog post. So taking that big, large chunk, breaking it up into all of the ecosphere of how people learn, how people enjoy their content, because not everyone wants to read a long ebook or you know right. look through an interactive guide. So trying to figure out how do we take that that pillar messaging for that quarter and put it into other assets so people don't feel like it's a one and done. Right. I love that. So basically you have a year long annual theme that you then break up into quarter. You have different 
uh, miles. I like the word milestone instead of pillar. Milestone pieces you're creating every quarter that then feed into other smaller pieces. So I'm actually on your site right now. So if people heard me typing, I'm not. I'm not like checking my email. I'm actually on Formstack site and I'm re- on the blog. And I saw this post this morning. Six simple way. You wrote it. Six mm-hmm. simple ways to support your local economy. And what I liked about it, and now it makes more sense. But it's a blog post. But you also have. It looks like some podcast episodes that are embedded, um, some quotes from the podcast. This is like season three, episode six, and I'm, I'm getting your drift message now. I don't know if that comes through on the uh, on the on the sound, but um, so it looks like it's all the same episode that's featured here. So is this like an example of like like what does this blog post I guess connect to? Like, yep. So you you hit the nail on the head. So each uh, podcast episode we produce gets um, a kind of a partnering blog post so we can cross pollinate between the two. Uh, so each podcast we've released has kind of a partner um, blog post that aligns with some of the messaging, some of what the guests talked about, some of the theme on that. Um, so it, they will resonate a bit off of what would be our traditional editorial calendar because podcasts right. are much more like fluid on your content. They're not as rigid as per se your blog editorial calendar. But it's nice because it gives me variety on what I can write about. So I like it. Uh, but yeah, so each episode will have kind of a sister brother blog posts so the blog post will pull them to that podcast it'll give us more reach on our podcast for people who don't know ripple effect exists Uh, and obviously if they're interested in what that blog post is about they'll probably be interested in the episode as well my favorite part about this is this isn't uh, correct me if i'm wrong doesn't look like it this isn't a transcription no no so um and, and i feel like so many people i talk about this all the time inside the group is like a transcription is not a blog post. Oh, like, no, 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 no. It's some people now, don't get me wrong, a lot of people want the transcription. Like mm-hmm. some people don't they don't have time to sit down and listen to or or they don't have especially now, a lot of remote people, they don't have the commute, they don't like they don't have the time to to sit down and listen. They just want to read and scan. So I get that. There's definitely value in a transcription. But the fact that you're creating unique blog posts that this can rank for SEO, mm-hmm. um, right? Like this seems disconnected from the podcast not in a bad way but it seems like a unique standalone piece that oh by the way we also have a podcast that kind of goes deeper on some of these themes that we're talking about in the article so i love that so are you basically or someone on your team listening to the episodes and like pulling out the main themes or as you're recording are you making notes like i'm curious to the details of like how you're actually producing these blog posts that accompany the podcast episodes Yeah, so I sit in on every podcast interview with Chris Byers, our CEO, and whoever the guests or guests might be. And I'm on mute the whole time, which is nice uh, because I'm not involved in the actual vocal part of our podcast. And so, yeah, I actually ferociously write notes as I'm sitting on that interview, both for kind of additional questions I might want Chris to ask at the end, but also just kind of noting the themes, noting what stood out to me. Um, We use Monday as our project management system. And so after that episode, so I go right into Monday and I will find my podcast board. I'll jump in my notes there um, just of what I think a title should be around or what the theme should be or anything that just stood out to me because we'll record an episode, you know, sometimes two or three months ahead. And now that I'm pregnant and expecting my first child, we're recording like four or five months ahead right. just to ensure our cadence is fine. Uh, so you forget between that month status and you don't want to have to refresh yourself in the moment when you're finally, you know, on the cutting room floor listening to the episode again. 
Um, and then I do the same exact thing with our blog board. I go jump on our blog board. I find the blog post line for that episode. And I kind of type in what I think the episode or the blog post should be about or some titles or some bullet points, things like that. Um, and that just keeps me refreshed for when I do come back to actually production time. So I don't have to kind of start from right. ground zero. That, I love that. Um, and I might steal that on my own team. Like, I don't know why I've never thought about having someone sit in on the interview, but not obviously participate, but they're taking notes. They're so much easier than afterwards passing a file to somebody and be like, all right, listen through, pick up. I, I, I think because you're live there, it's just, yeah, you're actively taking. I just, yeah, that, that seems brilliant. Um, that's awesome. So, yeah, th th this is really helpful. I wanted to go deep on that uh, because I get there's so many questions in the group about this, specifically about podcasts. Like, how do you turn a podcast into a standalone piece that you don't need to listen to the podcast at all. Like there's inherent value in the blog post. There's no transcription. And I feel like this is a perfect example. And like the whole milestone content format that you guys use, I feel like, yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah. And you know, I think with podcasting, a lot of people just do not utilize their standalone website enough for their podcast because when we we launched ripple effect in january of 2020 right before the pandemic so a lot of things shifted as you know we went into our seasons but uh you know a lot of the prep work before we even got into production stage was just looking at all the podcasts that I was looking at for inspiration, looking at their websites, looking at the web presence of their podcast. And I was just really mind blown by how crappy some of them were you know it's just like oh you guys are putting so much time and effort into this content you know at least present it in a really appealing great way because you know of course not many your website is not a place where people are going to listen to your podcast like that is not mm. the intention of putting your podcast on your website but it should be presented in a way that's appealing and that is where they should go for that transcript it shouldn't be a standalone blog post it should be on that individual podcast episode page yeah and then also that makes it easier for everyone else because then they can search for terms they can kind of get a feel for the vibe if they're a reader and not a listener it's right there um, but that was really important to me it's just how do we make our web presence of ripple effect stand out be consumable be look nice <laughs> right yeah mission accomplished i love the graphics i love the the embed how easy it is to then go listen to the episode so um yeah i'll drop a link too in the accompanying post so people could check that out for inspiration all right so talk about distribution like what's the most effective distribution channel in terms of content at formstack yeah so we have a really really strong seo presence uh i have to shout out to my girl robin on the content queens team she is a rock star she's been with us for um, five years actually this year and she is such an asset because I cannot tell you how many times whether it's through a customer survey or a customer call or you know whatever it might be that people talk about I found you through Google you know I found mm -hmm. you through doing a search for XYZ um, it's probably a little different when it comes to if you segment out just our content without you know our overall web presence but we still have a very strong value there too as well so I'd say yeah, there's a correlation yeah. for sure between yeah, exactly. Content, yeah. Um, so SEO definitely plays a huge, huge role in that. But we also do, you know, a lot of paid ads and a lot of targeting, a lot of ABM, things like that. So pretty much what everyone else does, right? Like <laughs> nothing right. mind blowing, I don't think. Right. But in terms of traffic, you don't have to give us specific numbers, but percentage breakdown. Uh, what is is organic the largest representation in terms of traffic? Is it about make up a quarter? Like, give us an idea of like what's driving traffic to the website, like at the highest percentage? 
Oh yeah, def- I would definitely say organic. Okay. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure how that percentage you know breaks down, but yes, for sure. Um, and especially for our resources, because you know a, that milestone content will do a push campaign for you know maybe one to three months on that piece, but then we move on to that next milestone, and that's where the money goes. So then you have to rely on that organic to keep that piece right. alive. Uh, so it definitely is a huge part of that. And the paid ads is that like lookalike audiences uh like uh like how does that work like in terms of promoting the content yeah we do a huge variety of paid and and i'm not on like our growth or digital team so i can't Mm. quite speak 100 percent to exactly what we do there but you know we do a lot across social media we do a lot of um so we live in you know, an area where we serve a lot of audiences. So it can be really difficult, um, but it also makes it nice because we can get very niche with a very special segment. So, you know, our top three verticals are healthcare, education, and financial services. So that gives us a really great starting point, And then that can help us identify what channels we need to go to, what audiences, what kind of paid content sponsorships or partnerships we need to do, what events. Events are coming back. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> what are those? Um, yeah. You know, what <laughs> events that we need to put ourselves in front of. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's a help and a hindrance at the same time, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah, I, I could I could understand that. Um, great, super helpful. Love love hearing about my takeaway. There is the milestone content uh, piece of everything. Like love that, and I have a feeling these three plays are very centered around milestone pieces. So excited to dig into these play number one. So getting into the top three plays that have worked over the last six to twelve months. You talked about the rise of the no code economy report. So tell us about that. And wh- how did it work? Yes, that's a report we released. Um, time is kind of a weird conundrum right now that I don't like have capacity <laughs> for any time. But I think we released it probably two or three months ago. It was our milestone piece for um, Q1. And that piece really was an in-depth review of what no-code is. Um, it started out actually with a survey. We ran a survey with a few thousand people to really understand where people sit with no-code. Because I think any marketer, even just anyone in SaaS, is probably been seeing this uprise in the low code, no code, all those terms coming up and the plays, um, you know, especially with some of the acquisitions that have happened in this space. I think we're all realizing like, whoa, this is like the next thing, right? And so we were very intrigued by, you know, just from a standardized across the scope, like how are people feeling about this? What do they know? What do they understand? And from that survey, we realized like the general population really doesn't know what no code is. And they don't mm-hmm. know what that can unlock. They don't know the power that could give them both from an individual standpoint, team, department, organization. And so after we kind of got those results back and we dug into them, um, we have a product marketer named Duncan who is fabulous with just figuring like the little nooks and crannies of survey data. And he really helped us realize like, oh, you know, originally we thought this would be a very different piece. But after getting that data, it was like, no, this has to be a very low level educational introductory. Just what is this? Why is it important? Why can it help? Why and how can it help you? So after that, we kind of decided on 
the kind of five or six areas that this is really impacting. So agencies and consultancies, you know, individual contributors, um, things like that, and just really broke down how no code plays into all these different parts of our economy and, and business and, you know, the hustle, side hustle and things like that. Um, so it's just really fascinating to see it come out. And so that was our, our milestone piece. It's a very interactive uh, graphical um, guide that you can go through. And then ways that we have then atomized that out of that. We did a no-code webinar with some leaders in the no-code space. We have done a lot of kind of single blog posts about no-code and low-code that were integrated into that piece and then also linked back to those single blog posts. So having that you know, cross-linking, cross-reference, mm. improving your SEO value there. Um, and then also taking snippets from the guide and putting those into, you know, standalone social graphics or blog posts, taking snippets from our uh, no code webinar and putting that into things and just really having that snake through all of our content. We also, at the same time, usually we'll take some time off between seasons of ripple effect. And this year we actually produced a sub series called future of work. Um, that was kind of our bonus episodes between our like traditional ripple effect seasons. And our intention with those episodes were all three of those would inter interweave that no code language or that no code idea in some facet or shape or form. So then what we could do, is take those podcast episodes and put them into this guide too. So it, it just all right. aligns. It's all cohesive. It all has kind of the same alignment when you look at it from a very you know, far away picture. So I'm, I'm also guessing you used, was the data collected from the survey, was that just for internal purposes or did you use that as content as well? No, that's content throughout the piece. Yeah, we actually have a huge piece of that guide that digs into what the results of our survey was. And that that provides so many opportunities for like really strong angles that you can't get anywhere. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not the only one to beat this drum, but I talk about it a lot, uh, especially on this uh, podcast and with this group is about original research. Easiest, not the easy, not easy in terms of execution, but easiest way to position yourself as unique, right? No one oh, else yes. has that data. No one else has the, the insights and analysis that your team ran. So while a million other people could be writing about no code, you're coming at it from this angle that uh, from this original research report that, I mean, you, you've inherently created a unique piece of content. Um, and so I love that. So for, for people listening, the rise of the no-code economy report, don't focus so much on that as what's, what's, the, what's the research report that your team can run that, and I love the approach Formstack is taking, that then could be breaking up into a webinars, blog posts, social graphics, use that data to basically position your uh, your worldview on the topic, right? Uh, in a unique way. So uh, I love that. Um, and so that was that was this year. You said, yeah. So we quarter? launched that. Uh, I want to say end of Q one. We launched that. Like I said, everything's kind of a blur. But <laughs> um, and I, I have to give a plug to Ryan Greaves, who is our director of brand and communications, because he really saw that vision and understood. I mean, he comes from a PR background, so he knew. If we run this survey and get this data, that can be what pulls us out of all the kind of buzz that's happening and all the, you know, radio that's going on yeah. around no code and low code. Because we do have those statistics that are individual to us, but also resonate across different verticals and industries and people. Um, so he really saw that, you know, now is the time to do this. If we wait, we're going to be, you know, number 10, 20, right. 50 on the list. But if we do this now and get ahead of it. 
I mean, the and then TR people are going to be referring amazing. to that data, right? Mm-hmm. That's the good. If you're like one of the first, the original data, now everybody's going to be referring to your report, linking to your report. Um, and that, that, that those, those statistics will live forever, even after they're long irrelevant. <laughs> people still link to HubSpot data from like 2012 on their blog. It's like, it's probably not relevant anymore. Oh, we have a guide from 2015 that still, I mean, is like one of our top sourced items. It's like, yeah. this is wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get contributions to that? Was it like customers, blog subscribers, all of the above? Uh, you mean as far as like what was featured in the content? No, like how did you get contributions to the survey? Like how did you get contributors? Oh, oh yeah. So we we worked with um, an organization that helped us run the survey and do all that. Nice. So, like how many PR, responses did you get? Survey company. Um, I want to say we had a few thousand in it. Um, nice. I, we do identify that in the report though. So off to pregnancy brain. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go check it out. Yeah, we'll let you off the hook. All right, play number two, and you've already referenced this before, we've already talked about it, is the Ripple Effect podcast. So talk about just how that's worked and the impact that that's had. Yeah, you know, um, I have a great story just from this morning. So uh, we launch every two weeks on Thursdays. This is actually our last episode of our third season today. Features uh, David Talavero from LenderFit. And he sent just like this beautiful emotional email to me about like, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Like this really like made me emotional because it realizes how far I've come with LenderFit. They're um, another SaaS company that focuses on producing better customer experiences and backend experiences for uh, financial service companies that do loans. Right. Uh, but his email to me was just like, this is why I've done this for a year and a half. <laughs> Like, so I can have moments like this and really see the impact that this has because, you know, in the podcasting world, you're always talking about, you know, growing your subscribers and growing your list and growing your reach and things like this. And I think one thing that really stood out to me with it is when we had Jay Akunzo on, he was talking about, we get so caught up on this, but we like never really talk about the importance of the actual content we're creating. So instead of thinking about like, oh, I want this content to reach 1000 people, you should really actually focus on like who are the four or five that are actually listening and taking action or having an impact through that content. Um, But like I've already mentioned, Ripple Effect has just really opened up our content creation doors because from one episode, we'll have audiograms, we'll have imagery, we'll have quotes, we'll have stories. We sometimes will have customers come on that I can then also do like a customer story spotlight on or something like that. Um, You saw that we do blog posts off of each episode. We also do kind of um, like end of season retrospective pieces that tie them all together and have one theme or one story line. Um, so it's just a way to make an incredible amount of content from like a one hour discussion. So which yeah. you, know, you know that life. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a really effective way to produce milestone content uh, regularly. Right. And mm-hmm. something you said too, that resonated, if you can get four or five people for the episode to really resonate with, and they reach out to you, like that's huge. But also the impact that it could have on your guest too, because like, yeah, so many podcasts feature like the, the number one influencer in certain areas. And yeah, those guys are doing the rounds. They're, they're getting on all the podcasts, whatever. Like they might not maybe think about your podcast again once they come off, but there's a lot of people that come on who maybe don't get those opportunities all the time and they'll get people reaching out to them because they were on your episode. And when I get messages like that from the guests, they're like, Hey, like this led to 
you know, a business or a bunch of people have reached out to me or like that to me is like, that's something we never talk about. Like we get caught up in the list and the downloads and the subscribers, but like, what about like what you're doing for the guest? Like in, in some oh, cases, yeah. like that, that's huge. Yeah. 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 And like, I mean, and I follow every single guest that I've ever had on Ripple Effect on LinkedIn and like I watch their trajectories and I watch them grow. And we have had those people who are those really high level, you know, big people in the play space. And it probably won't be as an important moment for them, right. but other people, you know, sometimes it's the first podcast they've been on or sometimes like, you know, it's not an opportunity they've ever been presented to. And so just being able to have that power to open that door for someone and just see where their story takes them and just the stories I get to hear. I, I mean, I'm a journalism you know, major from Mizzou and I started my life out in journalism. So High five. Kind of getting yeah. back to those roots, you know, and it's nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, and just, I think especially too, with a podcast like ours, it's just kind of a, a general business podcast. And so we have a lot of flexibility in who we can have on and what we can talk about and what we dig into and that allows us just to have such a variety and a diversity that I think if you have a super niche show, you probably won't get that much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, and I think uh, it's almost like it almost becomes like a responsibility at some point. Like uh, when you build the platform, like identify the good stories and, and, and highlight them like a journalist doesn't just go to the person with the biggest platform. Right. Like they're they're looking for any story that's of public interest. Um, and I think there's a lot of podcasts, hosts, producers that are lazy and they just go after the, the, the top people because they think they're going to drive subscribers back. I've been doing this for six, seven years now. It doesn't always work like that. Um, it's sometimes the ones where you, you're like, ah, this one, they don't have a big, fun. those are the ones sometimes that really resonate with people because the listeners are like, this person's like me. Like the, the billionaire founder or the, you know, hundred million dollar founder you know, <laughs> you listen to them like, oh, this guy's not like me. This is good. You know, but when the when the person comes on, it's like this person's just like me. Like those seem to resonate more. And like, that's a lesson that I've had to learn, I think, a couple of times over the years, because it is so easy to default to like, let me get the big names. Um and you have to have a balance, right? I mean, yeah, you can't just sure. build a podcast on people who have a hundred followers on LinkedIn. Yeah, like yeah. that's never going to do you as much good as, you know, you can capture those people who have really big audiences. You know, we had DG from uh, yeah. Drift and, and things like that. So, you know, you do need to have those bigger guests. Um that can have that resonance and that reach. And you know, we had Ryan Patel, who I swear every week I'm seeing like LinkedIn being like, Ryan Patel was featured in an article. And I'm like, and I got him on my podcast. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, having those people who are more up and coming or smaller spectrum can yeah. have that huge impact. I mean, like Seamus on this season has the wildest story I've ever heard. And just like, he's so inspirational and aspirational. Um, and he's also so young and has done so much. But I think, like you said, it's something where you listen to it and you're like, oh, I could do that. Or I could be that. Or like, he's yeah. done it. And, you know, yeah. it's just those dominoes need to all align so that they can fall in the right way. Right, right. Exactly. L love that. It's a great point. All right. Play number three, last one, the new digital transformation divide. What is that? Tell us about that. 
Yeah, so that's the piece we launched uh, the end of last year. And that one was really a timing piece of just the environment we were in, what was happening with the worldwide pandemic, this crazy shift to having to become more digitally agile, to have to kind of scutter to find solutions and put a Band-Aid on, you know, really deep cut and really deep bleed for a lot of organizations because for especially in the industries we serve, a lot of them have, you know, those legacy systems they've never touched or the paper processes they've been doing for 30 years. And all of a sudden with COVID and the pandemic and the shutdowns, like a lot of organizations really had to make drastic decisions very quickly that probably solved it within the here and now, but might not be the best long-term solutions. So trying to have a piece that shows you know, how we can play a, a role in this digital transformation and how, how organizations can adjust to this digital transformation. Um, because I think it just came on so suddenly that people just were not prepared and mm -hmm. they just had to do what they had to do in that moment. And I think that's very much what 2021 is, was about. And so we were looking forward in a 2021 and thinking about, okay, we've been reactive. Now people need to be proactive. So how can we provide them the resources, the statistics, the how to's on yeah. to take that next step and get out of that very like shook, shocked, reactive moment to being that, okay, now that we have maybe some breathing space to be more strategic and, and actually go through a real digital transformation. But it's also about the gaps. That's why it's called the new digital transformation divide, because there's been a long, long conversation about the digital divide with access to services, access to devices and internet and services and things like that. And we're now also seeing that in workplaces where people need to skill up to be able to keep up with where work is going and what's happening at work. And it also is kind of our first foray, foray into a little bit of the no-code language. It's not as heavy in this guide, but it's still showing people that there are ways for you to learn how to do this and adapt to this. And there are simple tools that don't take years to learn or right. a huge degree or whatever it might be. But organizations have to be willing to empower their employees with that and kind of put 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 money where their mouth is on being able to empower these people to do that work. So there's not this divide of people who need to get things done, but they can't because they're not empowered with the right tools and technology. Right. The thing I love about that piece, too, is that so many people are still going through that transformation, as you alluded to, especially in industries you specialize in. I think one of them you said was healthcare. Correct. Yes. Like yes. it's easy for us in tech and Martech to be like, isn't everybody doing? No, like I, I'm not, reminded it's of this. Mind blowing. <laughs> like I'm reminded of this. Like anytime you like engage with healthcare or um, it's been a long time for education or anything like that, you're like, man, this stuff is like this is completely irrelevant to to what your product does. But um, I went to a doctor's appointment recently, and you know, you have to fill out the forms if you're if it's a new doctor and you insurance information, all that. I put my birthday on this form three times. And like I'm sitting in the office so frustrated, like I just put it. Like I just put it on the top of the form. Now you're asking it over here. And then I turn the sheet over and ask for my birthday again. And I'm like, I'm filling out the same information like 10 times on this form. I just gave her my insurance card. Now I also have to write the insurance information on this form. It's just like I'm sitting there like so fr because like day in and day out, I'm dealing with like software tools and all this stuff that automates everything and like and then you go do that and you're like what decade am i in and it's like so easy to forget that so many people are still going through that transformation so um 
super yeah. interesting piece of content. Yeah, so forgive the rant there for a sec. But. Oh, no, but I mean, people are so surprised, I think, sometimes when they don't work in the space I work in. But if yeah. you go to our Practically Genius homepage and you'll see the video from Coastal Cloud that literally she talks about how she was in her doctor's office doing the same thing. And she works in like the healthcare <laughs> automation space. And she was like, why is this still happening? And, yeah. you know, I think sometimes even at Formstack, we're like, you know, we're, we're past like the paper messaging. People aren't on paper anymore. And like, then yeah, you have yeah. like a real life moment and you're like, oh no, no, so many people are No, in real life. This. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's still, wild. yeah, especially in those spaces for sure. Um, well, I think overall what I love about these three plays um, and for listeners too, what I'm taking away from this is like, sometimes when I think about this, the, the three plays that people come on, it's like these groundbreaking ideas or, or hacks that people figure out. But in your case, the, I mean, these are groundbreaking content ideas, but like three, essentially three milestone pieces. And all of that feeds into so much other content that is meaningful for your team and, and the company. And it's like, that's kind of like the message I want to convey from this is like, what are the three like big content pieces that your team could create that could feed so much of your strategy over the next two, three, four, five, six months, um, whether that's original research or a report uh, like, you know, like the rise of the no code economy or, you know, leveraging your podcast more. I love how yours is centered around milestone content pieces. Come up with three really good pieces of content, big content, and then leverage that across your whole strategy. I love that. We haven't had a, an episode quite like this before. Um, it doesn't always have to be like you thought of three groundbreaking new channels or th- could just be like three really, really good pieces of content that feed everything else. So like that's kind of what I'm taking away from this. And I and I love that that's sort of like the big part of the strategy. Yeah, 100%. It's just how do you stop spinning your wheels so much, right? Yeah. How do you find one idea or one topic or one theme that really is your take-home message? You know, at the end of the day, what do you want people to walk away with? And starting with that. And I also have to give huge props to our design team of Matt, Jason, and Jonathan of just killing it when it comes to creating the visualization of what the content team has had in mind, uh, especially with that digital divide guide. I mean, we had such high aspirations for that. And we did a website revamp about a year ago. And so we hadn't done anything like this yet because really it was just about getting our website up and running and, and perfect and polished. And so this was our first time to dive into that kind of interactive engagement content and I mean they just killed it and it was so you know as a copywriter or a content yeah. creator like I just don't have those skills I can kind of yeah. tell you what I envision in my head and I can make like a really crappy drawing of it and then they but, roll their eyes They're like okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> but to see you know I'm able to talk to my designers and our graphic team in a way where they can kind of understand like this is why I wrote this or this is why I position it this way and you know you make it beautiful and wonderful and I think that one was just like Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good year. <laughs> You're a good leader. You've shouted out your team like several times on this podcast. So, uh, content marketers that are paying attention, like, look out for any jobs at Formstack if you're if you're looking. <laughs> we are hiring. There you go. There Let you go. Me know. <laughs> what roles? What roles? 
Um, so right now we have a growth copywriter position open in marketing, but we also have roles across the system. So we have sales roles. We have a few, I think, like CSM roles, um, all sorts of things. So we are growing rapidly and we have so much more we want to accomplish, but we just have to have the people there. And I think that's why I shout out my team because like I couldn't do any of this without my team. Sure. Like if it was just me. It would be like a Google Doc with like 2000 <laughs> words and no one wants to like look at that. You know, that's right, fun. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, if anybody wants the inside track, uh, and an intro to Lindsay, um, for anything for, you know, if, if you just want, uh, if you're inspired by something she said, or maybe you're interested in that growth copywriting role, let me know. Um, but Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on, especially this close. I'm, I'm so glad we got you before the 40 week mark. Um, as Lindsay mentioned, she was pregnant on this podcast. So congratulations. Good luck. Super excited for you. Um, as a dad of three, like I, I, um, I'm so like, I look at people, you know, how like after you read a really good book or you see a great movie and you experience someone else reading that book or watching the movie for the first time. And you're like, Oh, I wish I could experience it again. The first time. Very excited for you. So congrats and good luck. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And yeah, let me know all your parenting tips. Cause I really need them. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of that out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, I, uh, uh, you have to look up, there's this really funny book. Um, and for anybody listening to it's called what the hell is it? uh parenting parenting hacks or something it's like an illustrated book and it's like funny shit that someone sent me when i was expecting our first and i started sending it to all my friends when they were expecting their first you know without telling them i would just order this book have it sent to their address and it's like really funny shit about like giving your kid a bath um in the tub using like a laundry basket so they don't like fall out like you know, because like before oh, they like, could wow. sit up and like, it was all, it's all like really useful stuff you would never think of. And, um, yeah, that's probably the extent of my advice at this point, but yeah. <laughs> well, I have a funny book to share back with you. I'll send you a message. I found one at Goodwill that is the most hilarious, like dad focused book and everything is just funny, but it's like real things you need to think about, but just put in a way that is, what is it called? I don't know off the top of my head, um, but I will send it to I'm you. It might be it. like the dad survival guide or something I like that. Like that seems like, like that. it would be it. I'll send you a picture. I'm, I'm here for <laughs> it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lindsay, thanks again so much for coming out. I think people are really going to enjoy this one. Thanks, John. <laughs>